0: Hello everyone. My name is Brooklyn Myers and I am an Elixir newbie. My goal is to help people adopt Elixir and grow as developers while doing the same myself. I do that by documenting and sharing my own experience in the Elixir industry. It's been an incredible journey so far and I look forward to taking the next step with you. So let's jump in to the Elixir newbie podcast. are a new developer on a team, and you're given your very first first task, your very first ticket, your very first user story, you have very little understanding of the existing code base, and you don't know how you're going to go about doing that. You feel pressure because you know that it's your job to solve that task, but you're new to this and you're new to the team and you have to figure out how do you solve that problem and while the steps to solving that problem may be highly specific to that problem there is this meta skill of figuring out how do you solve problems and that meta skill is as I see it pretty much everything involved in programming. Your entire career is just a series of encountering new problems and then figuring out how to solve them. And as you become more and more experienced, you go from very, very small problems, such as what is a string? How do you print hello world? How do you add two numbers together? Those are all problems that you need to figure out how to solve when you're first getting into programming. And then you go... And you increase the complexity, and you start figuring out how do you build a web app? How do you build a mobile application? How do you render text on the page? How do you create an interactive website? How do you create a uh, database to store information? How do you you know the, the the list of problems goes goes on and on? But that, despite the increasing challenges, that meta skill of how do you solve a problem remains the same that's an that's an abstract skill that if you master can help you figure out how to solve any problem and so what's involved in that well whenever solving a problem the first step is figuring out do you understand the problem when you're given a particular task or ticket or you want to build some sort of side project do you actually understand what it is that you're trying to do and so that can involve gathering information. That can involve trying to break down the problem into simpler parts. That can involve solving easier problems. For example, uh, I did a little bit of, I do a little bit of game development on the side, just just for fun with a, a few friends, a bunch of amateurs, none of us are uh, any good, but we were working on some physics challenge, some some physics problem. And it was far beyond any of our Immediate skill. And so we started by solving significantly easier problems. How to do, you know, for example, if you're moving a character and you want to figure out how do you uh, make them fly around the screen and, and they have that sort of like flight type movement. Well, an easier problem is how do you move a character at all without any input? Just how do you make it go from left to right one time? And so Breaking a problem down and understanding it, and solving easier versions of that problem can help you work up to figuring out the actual solution to what it is that you're working on. For example, maybe you, are as a junior, are given a task to put a button onto a page. That button is going to trigger some sort of action. It'll, it'll load some page, maybe, and you are not sure how to, for example, trigger that action. You're not sure how to put the button on the page. You're not sure how to style it the way that it's supposed to be. Those are all individual challenges that instead of trying to tackle the entire problem all at once, you can figure out how do you solve little pieces of those problems one by one. For example, how do you render anything onto the page? How do you then create a fully unstyled button? How do you then style that button? How do you trigger any action, maybe a a print statement or something like that with the button. And then how do you connect an action to uh, what it is that you're trying to do? Maybe loading the page or, or or, sorry, loading a new page or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So breaking that problem down is fundamental to understanding how to solve something. There's a limit to how much information you can put into your brain. And even the smartest computer programmers can only store so much in their head at once. And so by breaking it down, it makes it so that you can create a plan of action for how you're going to solve it and then work on far, far smaller problems and not need to store everything inside of your head at once. And so how do you... You're trying to break down a problem, but you might not understand it well enough to break it down. If someone asks me uh how do you build uh, I'll, I'll pick something i know nothing about how do you build an embedded uh program that's that's going to go in i don't know a smartwatch or something i wouldn't know how to break that down into steps but i would know how to start understanding the problem that would be gathering information and so gathering information is a really critical skill for any developer who is working on something that they don't yet know how to solve and don't yet fully understand. And so getting really good at the skill of gathering information and understanding the problem is really important. So how do you do that? Well, Google is your best friend, obviously. Uh, Being able to find information with Google is really important. And the key to Google is if you're looking for some topic, you know, for example, I was looking for uh, information on Wallaby recently. I was trying to solve a problem with end-to-end testing. So if you don't know, end-to-end testing is testing your application from end-to-end. So it's making sure that the flow of some action is going to work correctly. And I was working with Wallaby and I was trying to create um, some reusable methods. You know, I was like signing in a lot and doing the same things over and over but whenever I tried to extract those methods into their own file, I was encountering errors. And so I needed to understand why was that happening. And that involved a lot of googling, It involved searching the words uh, "wallaby" and extract functions and basically thinking of every single keyword that you possibly can and... You know, you you do not Google one thing when you're trying to find a topic. You think of every possible keyword, buzzword, because what you're looking for is you're looking for that specific buzzword related to the topic that you may or may not already know that's going to kind of unlock the source of information for what you're looking for. And as you are researching and you're finding that information, you're looking at GitHub issues, you're looking at blogs... Uh, You may even have to look at documentation. For the Wallaby example, I opened up the Wallaby GitHub, and it's an open source project, so I'm able to just dive in and read the source code. And I needed to understand how Wallaby worked at a deeper level in order to figure out how to extract uh, Wallaby methods and, and put them in their own module. And so figuring out how to find that information and being... Creative And you get like, that is one of, I think the biggest differences that I've seen between more experienced developers and newer developers is their ability to find information. And for example, earlier in my career, I would have never gone and read the internal code of another project that just wouldn't occur to me. That was way too daunting, or it just wasn't the way to go about it. And so... Allowing yourself to be creative with how you find information, and and another really uh, important thing to that that I've been burned by a lot that I I try to do a better job of is keep an engineering journal. An engineering journal is a daily journal, or it's a journal that you use whenever you're you're engineering, software engineering, when you're programming. Where if you find useful links, for example, putting that in your journal. Uh, I like keeping a uh, digital version of this so that I can just paste URLs and I can refer to information. Some people prefer it's pen and paper. There's, there's benefits to that. But the important part is that you keep this journal so that you can reference back to it and know what you were thinking about when you were trying to solve a problem. And you'd be surprised how often you'll be solving the exact same problem later in the future And you can't find that one article that had all of the useful information that you need, or you can't remember exactly how you solved it before. And having that engineering journal makes it so much easier to just go back and reference what it is that you were doing. So part of gathering information, I think, is preserving that information and making sure that it maintains up to date for you. Uh, Another big uh, tip for gathering information, if you're working on something and let's say that you're receiving an error, read the error message. That is a really common piece of advice. I hear it all the time, but I think it's one of those things we just have to keep saying and keep saying. I, I fail to sometimes. There there have been bugs within the past few weeks where because I didn't really fully understand the error message, I misunderstood what was happening. And so if you're trying to solve a particular problem or you're debugging or you're running into, you know, a lot of programming is just getting to that next error, you know. So you're going to be reading error messages error messages a lot. And taking the time to really read the error and understand it. I remember back in my boot camp days, that was one of the typical things. You know, you would walk up to the TA, the person who's responsible for helping you, and say, hey, I have this problem. And they would just ask, what's the error? And then you would read it and go, never mind, I don't have this problem anymore. I know exactly how to solve this because I actually read the error. And so that's a big one if you are getting stuck on something. And so you've... you've got this meta skill to master, which is how do you gather the relevant information on the topic that you're on, the problem that you're trying to solve. As you are gathering information, in order to get information quicker, I think it's really important to understand the difference between skimming and scanning. And the terms that you use for this aren't important. There's, there's lots of different ways of describing this, but essentially you can read something with the intent of understanding every single word to really absorb the information. And then you can read something very quickly, just trying to grasp what is this talking about? What are the key concepts? Is this useful to me? And if you try to read every single word in, let's say you're, you you've found a GitHub issue related to what it is that you're doing, or you found some blog or article that may or may not be related to what it is that you're doing, you don't want to need to read a bunch of unnecessary info for every one of those things that you find, because chances are, you're probably going to read a bunch of articles. You're probably going to read a bunch of different Stack Overflow questions and GitHub issues. And um, if you take the time to read every one of those fully, you won't solve your problem before the eventual heat death of the universe. And so figuring out how to read something very quickly, understanding just what is this talking about? Is this worth reading further? And once you've decided this is worth reading further, then going into it, maybe writing down some of the key takeaways in in that engineering journal and really absorbing it. And that is going to make your process of finding information much, much faster. Sometimes when you are solving a problem and you're gathering information and you're researching, there isn't going to be anything. This is an unfortunately common problem. The reality is that not everyone has encountered exactly what you're trying to solve or not everyone has taken the time to share how they solve that problem. And you'd be surprised how many very common problems have almost no documentation or no one writing about it. And so you might get stuck. And when you're stuck when you've stopped making progress, you've stopped being able to find information, how do you unstuck yourself? And so there are some things you can do that are within your control. So for example, if you're stuck because of your own mental block or you need to understand the problem better, then there are Different things you can do. Whereas if you're stuck because you haven't found the information or the information isn't available, then there are different things that you can do. You can reach out to the community. So let's say that you are stuck on something and it's not because you don't have the information, it's because you need to understand the problem better and need to understand how to solve it better. So what do you do with that? Well, a big one is if you stop making progress, if you stop being able to make any meaningful progress for my, my personal barometer is about 15 minutes. Um, you, you might push a little bit longer, but I find that tends to lead to frustra- frustration. So if you aren't making any progress at all for about 15 minutes, stop, take a walk. Sometimes I'll go and lay down on the couch and, and kind of do that, you know, therapist style, looking up at the wall and just, just letting your thoughts kind of uh, settle a little bit sometimes distracting yourself and, and like I said, going for that walk and just walking around the neighborhood and letting your, not thinking too actively about the problem, but just letting your background processes kind of absorb it. You, you know, you can, you can do things that encourage yourself to have that eureka moment that suddenly unlocks the answer to the problem. Uh, Another big one is what's often referred to as rubber duckying. So, it's this idea that by taking the time to talk through your problem and talk through what's happening, you'll everything will suddenly click because you've you've modeled it, you've understood it, and it's it's very very common. Uh, the reason it's called a rubber ducky is because people will actually put a, a real rubber ducky on their desk and talk to the rubber ducky um, as a way of uh, talking through the problem and understanding it, and. It's surprisingly common. I've, I've had this experience. I know other developers who've had this experience. It's incredibly common to, as you're talking about the problem to either that rubber duck or to yourself, or uh, maybe posting a question on Stack Overflow or talking to a coworker about it, just by asking the question, you find the answer. And so if you have some sort of resource, a big one is you can uh, ask as coworkers or, or you can, uh, posting a question on Stack Overflow Um, that's something that I think people don't reach out to, uh, especially early on as frequently as they could. I'm definitely guilty of not posting on, on stack overflow as, as much as I think I should. And as you do that 60, 70% of the time, you'll find the answer just by asking the question. And so what about those times when you are not the reason that you can't solve it. It's not an internal mental block. It's not, you know, you're, you're just not understanding the problem enough, or it is that you really don't have the information necessary to solve the problem. It's not that you can't break it down. It's that you really don't have the resources to figure it out. Your, your, your understanding is vague and you don't know where to start. Well, the community is a great place to go to. So having those places like Stack Overflow is great where you can write a question and then people will answer it and figure out how to phrase your questions so that people can better help you figure out how to ask the community. Uh, joining, for example, the Elixir Slack channel. Uh, big one for me is Twitter. If I, for, for example, recently actually, I was trying to make a, a Credo check. So Credo is a module in Elixir that allows you to uh, do what's called linting on your code. So essentially it allows you to check that your code is formatted and written according to the rules that you think are important. So this, this credo check that I was writing was because we have a standard on, on the project that I'm working on where we write our function names inside of modules alphabetically. And what I found was that I was getting really, really tired of singing the alphabet and trying to remember, oh gosh, like this internal spelling, which, which letter is, is, uh, alphabetically sorted here? How do I move these? And we didn't have anything that was validating that it was actually working correctly. It it wasn't automated. It was something that we all just kind of agreed to. And because of that, it was often a source of mental, block for me. Needing to take the time to ask myself, did I sort all of these alphabetically was something that I felt I should just automate. It shouldn't be something that I have to constantly evaluate. And it definitely shouldn't be something that someone gives me feedback on in a PR. That's just that's just a big waste of both of our time. And so I wanted to write a check that'll allow me to figure out how can how can I automate that? How can I make it so that either maybe it, it automatically sorts the functions for me or it warns me when they're they're out. And I really didn't understand Credo before this. I didn't, I still don't understand it very well, but I didn't even know that it was a thing before this. And so I was starting very much at a base zero. I wasn't sure what the right approach would be. Is there some sort of, you know, formatter that would allow me to do this? And when I looked up sort module, uh, sort functions in a module alphabetically, I found pretty much no resources. It it didn't seem like, from, from my research, it didn't seem like anyone had solved that problem and put it out for other people to reference. And so I uh, complained about it. I complained about it on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is, is I think, a huge superpower as a developer sometimes. Whatever it is that allows you to connect with other people, for me, it, it tends to be Twitter. And I posted out and said, hey, is anyone, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Does anyone know what I can look into, what resources there are? Uh, because often when you're first starting a problem, you know so little about the problem space, you don't even know what tool is a good place to start. You're not trying to figure out, oh, well, how do I do this with with Credo? You're trying to figure out what is even the right thing to begin looking into here? What's, what's the space? And so uh, really fortunately, I had someone respond back, not just saying, hey, like check out Credo, they actually wrote a little uh, gist, which is a, a little chunk of code that you can share on GitHub. They uh, wrote a a gist with an example solution to the problem. And that was huge. I mean, that, that gave me such a great starting point. And then I went in and, and modified it for the code base. But that's an example of how when you're working on something, reaching out for help and support from other people who've been there, you can spend hours. I'm not kidding. You can spend days or weeks on a problem just for the right person with the right information to come along, share that one little thing that you need, and suddenly you're unblocked and working again in the next five minutes. It's, it's amazing the power of information and reaching out for help and support. So if you are stuck and you're really not making any progress and you've really he- reached your limit for uh, your ability to figure it out on your own, having resources and places to go to ask people who've been there before to get help from more experienced developers. And that can be internally on your team. That can be, like I said, Stack Overflow. That can be going to forums. That can be uh, posting on Twitter. And so having those practices of when you're really truly stuck or when you're thinking about something and you don't know where to start, knowing where you can reach out to to get that information. So that's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you learned how to unstuck yourself when you're working on a particularly challenging problem, how to gather information, how to reach out to the community, how to break down a problem into smaller steps and and solve easier versions of the problem to improve how you understand it. Uh, If you are working on something, if you're trying to solve a problem and having issues, uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Brooklyn J Myers on Twitter. Always happy to do whatever I can to help and support, or maybe try to connect you with people who can help and support. And I will see you at the next episode.